coming from it. They make us learn. Hi, welcome to Swartz Talking Sports. I'm your host, Les Swartz. Uh, unfortunately, not in the studio tonight. Down with the flu, but the show must go on. We've got a very special guest for you tonight. Yes, we do. Live from Cabo, we've got former NFL great Super Bowl champ from the Chicago Bears, Jim McMahon. We got Jim from Cabo, so let's bring him in and say hi to hi, Jim. What's going on, buddy? How you doing, Les? Good to see you, my man. So uh, how, how are things in Cabo right now? Cabo's great, kid. We just got off a $2 million yacht. We had a great four-hour cruise, saw a bunch of whales, had a great time, and uh, it's always always been a good time coming down here. I've been coming down for the last 25 years, and uh, we're sitting in my good friend uh, Tomas's bar, Usual Suspect, so if you guys are in Cabo at the marina, come see my boy. Absolutely. Can't wait to do that someday. And we got Benny the Book with us today, too, who also wants to say hi. He's going to be chatting a little bit with you. So... Let's jump into it right away, Jim. So what we do normally is you growing up. I know you grew up in San Diego. I mean, actually in Northern California, then moved to Utah. But did you play football? Was that your sport? Did you play all kinds of sports growing up? What, what was the best sport that you liked to play growing up? No, baseball was my sport. Okay. That's all I ever wanted to do was be a baseball player. Uh, when I went to college, I chose a, a college that would let me play both sports. Uh, all the all the schools I went to back in the day said I couldn't play both sports. The only two that said I could was BYU or Nevada, Las Vegas. And being me, I wanted to go to Vegas. Uh, but my Vegas was my last recruiting trip when I did all those trips back in high school. And I had an awesome time. And I came home and I said, Pops, I'm going to Vegas. And he said, no, you're not, son. Said it's not a big enough school. I said, Pops, listen to me. I, I I was very confident in my abilities. I knew I can go on to the next level. I didn't care how big the school was, but I said, I want to have a good time in college, like most people do. And Vegas is the is the place for me. Plus, they offered me a house, a car, money, and easy job at a casino. Hell, nice. I could have been Steve Wynn. Nice. No. He said no. I think he was. He thought about I'd be dead from strippers in two months. But. <laughs> so he said no. So that's how I ended up at BYU. I was going to say, you know, I, I was going to say, what's a good Catholic boy going to Mormon school? Was it, I mean, what were the constraints going to BYU from not a football standpoint? Because I know you played for LaBelle Edwards, really, you know, uh, a great lineage of quarterbacks from Gifford Nielsen all the way up. Um, I mean, was there any partying going on at BYU? What did you guys do? Well, there was parties, but you had to be very discreet about it. Okay. Uh, it was it was not a typical college experience. Let me just put it that way. Okay, you're 18 years old. You want to you're away from home. You want to have a good time. And basically, the only good times I had was on Friday nights or Saturday, whenever we played. Nice. Uh, the rest of the time was it was tough. I mean, it was just I, I grew up in Northern California. I grew up with the brothers of the Mexican. I didn't I never even heard the word Mormon before I moved to Utah. And so it was a it was a strange experience, but a good one. I, I learned a lot about football. I learned a, a really lot about football and a lot about life as well, because I, I saw a lot of strange things going on. And uh, it was it was just not a, a regular college experience as most people have. Now, you had a massive junior year at BYU. I know that you kind of split reps with Mark Wilson 
He got hurt, I think, your sophomore year. But you take over the reins junior year and set all kinds of records. 4,571-yard passing, 47 touchdowns. And to this day, Ben and I talk about it. The best bowl comeback we've ever seen in the Holiday Bowl, which we're going to dub the Jim McMahon Bowl because you did so well in that bowl game. But tell me, tell me your recollections of that game against SMU with Eric Dickerson and Craig James, the Pony Express backfield. And you guys were down by 20 with four minutes to go? Yeah, we uh, – that was quite a – it was quite a finish. I mean, we I sucked in the first half. That's why we're down so much. But, uh, yeah, that was the best team that money could buy at the time, at SMU team. They, they, they were pretty loaded. But, uh, yeah, we just kept fighting, and uh, I started doing things better in the second half. And, like you said, we were down 20 points with four minutes to go, and we ended up winning the game. So, it was an exciting finish. Uh, I give a lot of credit to my – my great friend, Vice Sikahima, who was a freshman on that team at the time. Just before halftime, he ran back a punt and, and got us within, you know, striking distance. And I told him at that time, as we're running in the tunnel at halftime, I said, hey, glad to see you're still fighting. I'm going to keep fighting, too. And that's what happened. We just kept fighting to the end, and we got a chance at the end to win it. And three seconds left. We're 40 yards away. We throw a Hail Mary. And Clay Brown, my good buddy, who's actually going to be here in Cabo on Saturday. I leave here on Saturday. He's coming in half hour after I leave. Uh, he caught the ball, and it was incredible. Our kicker came in and, and won it with the extra point. Now you get now you now you, you finish up your senior year. I think you were kind of banged up a little bit. You missed a couple games your senior year. I, I, blew, my, I blew my knee out my senior year. We were playing against Colorado. I got hit. And uh, just totally blew out my knee. I missed a couple games. Steve Young came in, did a great job. And then uh, I was able to come back and finish out the year. We ended up winning another bowl game. And then I get drafted by Chicago. Drafted fifth overall. You go to the Bears. And Mike Dick is the head coach. Uh, and the Bears really weren't they weren't there yet, right? I mean, I think that losing record. They no, we lost. sucked. We sucked. When I, 82, 83, we were not good. Thank God we had a strike in 82. We only had to play nine games. <laughs> but, yeah, we, we were not very good in those two years, and I was I was not real happy at the time. But uh, we got a hell of a lot better. In the next the next five that I was there in Chicago, we went to three NFC championship games and only won one of them, but we were damn good. We had a good five-year run. I was going to say, when did you see – when did you – I know 84 you guys went to the NFC Championship and lost to San Francisco. When did you see the team? Like, that 85 team, did you sense something at the beginning of the year that it was special? You know, the defense obviously played off the charts. You were throwing bombs to Billy Gall. Walter was running the football. Was there anything special that in, in preseason that you thought, I, th I think we're going to win it all this year? Well, I, I knew – in, in 83, we finished uh, in 83, I think we won six of the last eight games to finish eight and eight. We started, we started, you know, on the right track. And then in 84, uh, we went to the NFC Championship game, lost to, lost to Frisco. So we, we, we knew we were going to be good in 85. And uh, everything seemed to work out in 85. And so we ended up winning the Super Bowl that year. The next year, everybody kind of forgets. We went 14-2 and two the following year. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we should have won it again. We had the best record in the league for four straight years after 85. And we just – we lost three games at home in the playoffs, and that's what killed us. Now, I think that – I'm, I'm going to check out with our producer, Tony, but I think we probably have some questions 
from some of our viewers. So, Tony, do we have any questions out there? Actually, less we do. I'm going oh, to read do. a few comments. Okay. And then oh. a couple of questions. Is that okay? Okay. Sure. Sure. All right. So, let's see. Rob says, Welcome to the show, Jim. Tech for Fun says, Living the life in a yacht in Cabo makes getting sacked a little easier. That's true. And then we do have a question here from, looks like Rob again. Jim asks, or Rob asks, Jim, what drove most of your anger towards Pete Rosell? Ooh. What drove my anger against Pete Rosell? That was the yeah. question. I didn't have anger against Pete Rosell. I was upset at the fact that they they find me for no reason. Uh, at the time, Adidas was not paying the NFL, and I was the big Adidas guy. I came out of college as wearing Adidas shoes, you know, wristbands, headbands, whatever they had, I wore. But I didn't. I didn't realize at the time they weren't paying the NFL. That's why the NFL was pissed at me, because I was wearing this stuff. And I said, "That's not my fault. You know, it's not my fault that they're not paying you guys for, for me wearing their stuff." And so they made a big stink about my headband. Uh, I got fined five thousand dollars in the uh, one of the playoff games in nineteen eighty five for wearing it. And then I got a hold of the rule book. And I realized they they had no basis to find me. And so, you know, we had the the following week, following week was the NFC Championship game against the Rams. And I put Roselle on my head or on my headband. Right. And I didn't I didn't get a fine that week. I actually got a call from the commissioner saying thank you for the free advertising. No kidding. And he said he said, You're not gonna be able to wear that uh, Adidas headband in the Super Bowl. I'm like and I'd already, I don't know how this happened, but a rule book ended up in my locker. And I started reading through this rule book and I found out they had no basis to find me the first time. And so now I was going to mess with them since they messed with me, right? So during the Super Bowl, pregame warm-up, I've got my Adidas headband on. And the head referee is chasing me around the field saying, oh, you can't wear that, you can't wear that. He said, yeah, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> and so it gets to the pregame. It's, it's like uh, the national anthem. I'm standing next to Walter Page and myself, the head referee. As soon as the anthem's over, I went to put on my helmet, and the ref said, I can't let you on the game or in the game with that on. And I said, I know, but you can't do a damn thing about this. And I pulled it down around my neck. So if you look back at all those pictures, you'll see Adidas proudly displayed around my neck. And the ref just laughed. He goes, yeah, you're right. I can't do anything about that. So now I, did, I decided to wear charities. Every every different series, I put a different charity on my head. And I thought, if the, if the NFL finds me for charities, they're going to look like real assholes. Right. And they didn't they couldn't right so i got so much positive feedback from all the charities that i wore the headband for and the nfl couldn't find me i made the money that adidas wanted to pay me and it was great the following year they had a lot of a lot more different uh rules in the rule book but i made my money and i made my point i said pete this has nothing to do with the game whatever i'm wearing on my head 
you guys made a big stink about it. I've been wearing this thing for two or three years, but now we're in the playoffs and it's a big deal. So they made a big stink about it and they, and they look like idiots afterwards. It was fun, question, kind of fun bro. for that's, me. Yeah, that's a great question. I know. I just want to touch base on the Super Bowl because I grew up in New England. I, I actually hung around with a lot of the guys you played against. I used to hang out with those guys in the mid-80s. I knew they were going to get pounded. I didn't think it was going to be that bad. But um, you had played them earlier in the year, actually. The second game, you beat them in Chicago 27. It wasn't a blowout, per se. I mean, did you guys think that it was going to be that epic beatdown or or what? I mean, what were you expecting out of the Pats? No, I know. We played in the second game of the year. They were they were a tough team. I, I remember, I think we took the opening kickoff and went down and scored. We had an early lead, but they, they were very tough at the rest of the game. But uh, by the time we got to the Super Bowl, we had we really wanted to play the, the Dolphins. Right? That's what I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you that question because that was the only team that beat you guys that year. Correct. Did you want retribution and beat them in the Super Bowl? Well, I wanted to play the Dolphins because I didn't get to play against the Dolphins that Monday night that we lost. Right. I, I missed one day of practice that week. I missed the Wednesday practice. I practiced Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in, in Miami. And then Mike Dicker says, you're not playing tomorrow night because you missed Wednesday's practice. So I was kind of I – was, I was pissed. But then I was like, hey, I got a free night in Miami. What the hell? Hey. So we end up we end up losing that game, but it wasn't like I, I think you guys remember during earlier in that in that season on a Monday. It was actually a Thursday night game against uh, uh, the Vikings when you came in where, and lit them up. Uh, yes, yeah, I, I had missed I had missed a couple of days of practice. I was in the hospital in traction on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. We had a Thursday night game, and we fly to. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Minnesota on Wednesday night, and Dicka tells me Wednesday night you're yeah. not playing. I said, "Why am I not playing?" He goes, "Well, you didn't practice all week." I'm like, "Well, our offense hasn't changed in four years I've been here. Why? What's the big deal?" But uh, you know that game wasn't going real well. The first part of the game, the first half, the Vikings were kicking our ass, and and uh, it, it just wasn't the same feel of a team that I'd seen the first two weeks. So I, I was in Mike's ear the whole damn night going, you better so put me in. We're going to lose. We're going to lose. Like I said, and I'm, I'm convinced to this day the only reason he put me in is get me out of his ear because I was bugging the hell out of him. Nice. And uh, I get in the game, and the first play, we first play was actually called the screen pass, and I called the screen pass, and I ended up throwing the ball deep to Willie Golf for a touchdown. And when I got off the field, Mike grabbed me and goes, what damn play did you call? And I said, well, I called the screen pass, Mike, but why'd you throw it to Willie? I said, because he was open and we scored. Why are you pissed? And then we get the ball right back and we score again. And then I end up throwing another touchdown. So it worked out. It worked out to be a good night. Yeah, a great night, a great season. Now we have a couple more questions. Uh, from some of the viewers. Tony, how about uh, question number two? Sure. First off, Rob says, thanks for that, Jim. Great answer. And Rob also follows up with this. He wants to know, which was the toughest team your 85 Bears played that season? Probably the Packers. Really? The Packers, and the Packers sucked at that time. But the Packers always played us tough. Really? We had to beat... 
I think we beat them 16 to 10 up in Green Bay that year. Wow. And it was late in the game that we ended up scoring to beat them. But they, they always played up tough, even though they, they really sucked. <laughs> I only lost to them once in seven years, so I know they sucked. But it took me a long time to end up going to Green Bay. I ended up in Green Bay, got another ring with them. But I didn't really want to go there because of all the bad blood I had for seven years playing against them. I was going to say the Bears-Packers rivalry runs deep, right? Yeah, it was the oldest rivalry in football. Yeah. Now, uh, Tony, you got another one? Yeah, I got I got two more, and then I'll let's turn it back over to you, okay? Yeah. So, Groovy P sixty three asks, "Who was your best teammate ever?" Who? Who was my best teammate ever? Yeah, that's a toughie. That's hard. That's a tough one because I played for seven different teams, and I had a lot of great teammates, but I've never laughed as hard as I I was with Dave Archer. Dave Archer was the starting quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons. He, he replaced Barkowski, and Steve Barkowski was, was retired. I got to play with Dave in San Diego and also in Philadelphia. And he's the funniest human being I've ever met in my life. And he he still does the uh, color for the Falcons games in, in Atlanta. So, yeah, he, he was one. He was just, just a fun guy. Just had a great time with him. Cool. All right. Uh, I, I remember Dave Archer. I do now. remember him uh, playing. For, but, um, for fun. And yeah, he ended up going to the CFL and and having an awesome finish to his career. I mean, he, he probably set more CFL records than anybody. Nice. Nice. All right, we got one more. We got one more. Tech for Fun asks, Jim, how would you describe the Chicago fan base? The Chicago fan base? Dedicated. They are, Chicago is a Chicago Bear uh, fan base. I mean, I was there with Michael Jordan you know, through the 90s, and they won six championships, and everybody was happy about that. But Chicago is a Bear town. And they they live and die with the bears, and unfortunately, been they've been dying quite a bit in the last thirty something years. Yeah, no, it's been uh, it's been a rough road. But hopefully, Justin Fields will turn that around. Uh, I, I mean, they've played better of late. Um, I got a question for you, Jim. I got a question. Did you even think at least one second about changing the play down at the goal line and give the ball to Walter instead of Refrigerator Perry? Yeah, I've been asking that question a lot in the last 35 years, and I tell everybody the same thing. I think we could have gave it to Walter 100 times, and he wasn't going to score. Because the focus of New England at the time was we stopped Walter Payton, we win. That was that was their whole focus, and they – they did a good job of that. You know, Walter, I think he carried it 27 times in the game. We gave it to him down on the goal line a couple times. But their whole focus was Walter. And that's why everybody else had a had a pretty good day because their their focus was all about Walter Payton. I tell people all the time, watch the first play of the second half. We're backed up on our four-yard line. We run a play-action pass. And it wasn't even a good fake. And there's six guys chasing Walter. Willie Galt's running up the middle of the field, and I underthrew him about a yard, or up he goes 96 for a touchdown. But that's the kind of impact he had on that game. He he made everybody else successful because their focus was stop Walter. We stop Walter, we win. And unfortunately, we had a we had a lot we had a lot of talent around Walter, and that's why we won. Now, 
like you said, after that year, you go 14 and two, the Bears were still very successful. Then you take probably one of, I would say, one of the cheapest shots. Um, Terry Bradshaw got turned upside down by a guy named Joe Turkey Jones back in the day. Very similar. That's right. And very similarly, Charles Martin did the same thing to you. It really kind of damaged your shoulder, I believe. Wasn't you a rotator cuff? Well, I, actually, my shoulder was gone the, the first game of 86. I got my shoulder was dislocated in the first game against Cleveland in 86. I kept trying to play. You know, one day I can go out and practice and throw, the next day I couldn't move. And I was getting a lot of grief from from some teammates that were uh, on the defensive side of the ball. So everybody in offense knew that I was in. I was something was wrong and I knew something was wrong. And I kept telling the doctor, Hey doc, my arm's coming out of the socket. And he says, there's no way that could be happening. He says, do you know how painful that is? I said, yes, it happens a hundred times a day. Every time I move my arm, it pops. And so I, I played six games in 86, won all of them. And then uh, after the, the incident you're talking about, Charles Martin, when he slammed me down, we get a bye week. I go out to see uh, Frank Job out in L.A., who was the uh, L.A. Dodgers doctor, who was great with shoulders and elbows. And within five minutes, he told me, hey, your shoulder's coming out of the socket. I said, I've been telling these guys that for 10 weeks. He goes, you need surgery immediately. I was I was very surprised that I was able to come back and play after that because I'd done so much damage to my shoulder in those six games. And, uh, you know, the rest was history. But what was crazy is the doc kept telling me there's nothing wrong with me. I mean, they'd shoot me, so I'd be numb. I had no feeling for the whole game. You know, I couldn't throw a spiral. I mean, the press was saying, hey, hey, how come you can't throw a spiral? I said, well, I can't feel the ball. Long. I said, my whole arm is numb. I said, I'm just happy it's getting there. I don't care if it's a spiral or not. But uh, yeah, it was a, it was a bad experience. How many operations did you have during your pro career? I played 15 years, and during my career, I had at least 14 surgeries. I've had now uh, six. I've had nine since. I've been dealing with a bad foot for the last two years. I've had six surgeries in two years. Had a simple so, surgery for my ankle. Got infected. My foot exploded. They were going to cut my leg off. Uh, they, they saved the leg, but my foot still doesn't work. I'm still walking around with a crutch. Uh, they still might end up having to cut my foot off because it just it's not responding after you know six surgeries and how many traumas it's had. So uh, yeah, I'm still just in limbo right now, just trying to walk. That's all I want to do: be able to walk without pain. I was going to say, man, that's going to hinder your golf game. I know you love to be on the golf course. Oh, I love the golf course. And and thank God I, I play in the uh, American Century Golf event in Lake Tahoe in July. I'm one of the two players that have been to every event, Jack Wagner and myself. And uh, luckily, they gave me a cart the last couple of years to play because I, I couldn't walk the course. Uh, I didn't come in last. That's what, That was my only thing. I, as long as I don't come in last, I'm good. Uh, yeah, it's it's been a struggle, but hey, that's life. I hear you. I hear you. Well, let's bring in Benny the book. I know the book has a couple questions for you, so let's bring in our uh, our our guy from Vegas, Benny the book. So, uh, all right, Benny. Benny, Benny, you got anything for Jim? Well, I I just wanted to tell him uh, that was one of the most memorable games, the Holiday Bowl. My, bro my well, 
And he wasn't my brother-in-law at the time. We were like 20-year-old kids. We, we, we used to have a little action on some of the games. And we were at a party one night. And my brother-in-law sitting there, quiet as could be. And all of a sudden, you throw that touchdown pass. He jumps about 10 feet in the air. We go, Tom, what, what's the big deal? He goes, that Jim McMahon just saved my life, he said. That was so funny. But uh, you won him about seven grand, Jim. Well, yeah. well, we yeah. beat the, we beat the best team money could buy back in college yeah. football back in the day. Yeah. That's for sure. Those guys were loaded. Oh yeah, oh yeah, but, uh, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, you uh, asked him a, a couple of questions. I wanted to ask him about the uh, Walter Payton thing. That was a yeah. that was that was a good answer. You know, I mean, uh, people don't. Say I never that. heard that answer to be yeah. honest with you. That well, was a really good answer. Yeah, oh, people people that aren't in, aren't in the game. Yeah, Keaton uh, Walter. Jim, I want to I want to do a quick little one word, not not one word association, but I'm going to throw a name at you. You kind of not one word, but just give me a sense of something about that person, okay? okay. You'd be the played with or against, okay? I'm going to go out by three or four guys. I'm going to start with I'm gonna start Walter Payton. Walter Payton. Uh, the best football player I've ever been around. The guy can do it all. He was uh, he could run, he could throw, he could kick. The strongest player, the strongest man I've ever met in my life. I mean, really? he was about he was about five ten, about two hundred and eight pounds of muscle. That's all he was, and he hated to be tackled. You guys enjoying? And uh, I couldn't believe that he he lasted six years prior Even to the time I got there because the line was not real good. Hmm. And this guy say, only missed one game. Lot of yards back then too, right? He missed one game in 13 years as a running back. That is wow. that is an amazing statistic in itself. I mean, I shit, I missed six, seven games a year. Yeah, yeah. yeah he was incredible. You. He was just a, an awesome player, a great teammate, and uh, I, I enjoyed playing with him. Yeah, I got to tell you, a good friend of mine, and he's been on the show a few times. He played against oh, you, believe it or not, with the Cardinals. His name was Bob Harris. He was a linebacker safety. And I asked him the question, who was the best running back you ever played against? I was going to think he'd say Herschel Walker in college. He said the toughest guy I ever had to tackle was Walter Payton because when you hit him, he took it personally. He did not want to get tackled. He got exactly. And he just kept fighting and fighting and fighting. He wouldn't go down. No, he he – I tell you, when my first couple of years, like okay. I said, we were not real good. I'd hand him the ball. He would make a 30-yard run that only gained two yards because he went sideline to sideline, bouncing off people. I was like, man, what? you got to go down at some point. No, no. He don't like to be attacked. He was, he was a tough, tough guy. He was a yeah, great teammate. Um, how, about, how about Mike Ditka? Mike was I got along good with Mike in the early years because Mike came in the same year I did he, his first year as a head coach was my first year in the NFL and when I got there I, I wasn't sitting behind a couple of Hall of Famers right? I was sitting behind Bob Avellini and Vince Evans I don't know if people even remember those names but I remember them you know Mike wanted to win I wanted to win and he wanted me to play early and uh yeah. So I thought he was he was good. I thought what My he did best, he got rid of guys that just were hanging around collecting checks. Because we had some eight, nine-year veterans that were starters that he cut because you know they don't, you know, they weren't working like he wanted them to work. I, that's what I gave him credit for. He weeded out the guys that we needed to get rid of 
Bill and he got guys in there that the wanted to work. And, I mean, we worked. We worked as hard as anybody's ever worked in the NFL. I mean, every game, every week. I mean, we played four games a week, basically. Because in practice, everything was live for us. We didn't have we, – we were in pads every day. We didn't have any buddy-buddy sessions where, okay, you, you know, this is what we're doing. <laughs> Buddy Ryan and Mike Dickett didn't get along real well. Right, so I was going to say, they, they, they hate each other, right? They, that trickled down to the players. And so oh, Buddy is a defensive guy, Mike was an offensive guy. So every period was, it was basically a game. And I think that's why, that's what hurt us back, you know, after 85, 86, 87, 88, we, we still had the best record in football, but we kept losing at home in the playoffs, I think because we were tired. We got tired of beating the hell out of each other. And then after we'd get done beating the hell out of each other for three hours, we'd have to run these 100-yard dashes until he got tired of blowing the whistle. And that, that, that'll wear on you. You know, after two or three years of that, that wears on you. And I was there for seven, and it didn't, it didn't let up. I was going to say, I would almost like you guys would be tired at the end of the season, like you said, physically exhausted. Oh, we were exhausted. We, we, we were exhausted. I mean, so, oh, look so at today's game. Are, they don't even put pads on. Pretty much. Yeah, not I, I, and I'm going to ask you about today's game. I'm going to ask you about today's game because it's very different. But let me get back to this. Tom Brady. What's your take on Tom Brady? No, you can't. You can't complain about what he's done. I mean, seven championships he's won. On the Pettigrew side. I mean, that should say something about the whole league. I mean, how do you let this team yeah. win seven times? Yeah. yeah. That's the only I think Tom's done a great job. I mean, he, he, he did what he was supposed to do. You can't complain about him. I don't know how good he would have been against our defense. Well, exactly. Our, our, our defensive scheme was if the starter isn't out in the first quarter, Buddy Ryan is pissed. He goes, I want that guy down. Well, you guys would get to that. Well, yeah, but in today's rules and today's game, he wouldn't have been able to play that 46 defense like like he did back then because now every one of those guys would have got ejected probably. Exactly, exactly. For taking a free shot on somebody. What about Bill Belichick? What about Bill Belichick? What do you say about Belichick? I know you've had some things to say. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Bill Belichick. I was uh, I was in Cleveland in 1995 with Bill Belichick. It was the last year before they moved to Baltimore, that franchise. And uh, Belichick made a deal with me under the table because of the salary cap. And um, they reneged on that deal. They still owe me seven games. They haven't paid me. But, yeah, I don't have any respect for that man at all. And yeah. all the things that happened, Spygate, uh, Deflategate, whatever gate it was, he was right in the middle of it. Because nothing happens on his team without him knowing it. And so I was very disappointed in, uh, you know, he looked me right in the eye and said, hey, we're going to pay you to sit out. So I called my attorney. I was there in training camp in 95. At the end of camp, he calls me in. He goes, we got a lot of guys hurt. We need roster spots. We have to release you. I said, that's cool. It's my 14th year. I was about done anyway. And he says, no, no, I, we really need you here because all I have is, is Benny Testaverde and a rookie. He goes, I can't go into, into a season with a rookie backup. And so I called my attorney. I said, can I trust this guy? He just he just said he's going to pay me to sit out. He said one or two weeks, you'll probably sit out, and then we'll sign you back. So I called my attorney. He goes, well, take him at his word. So I did. I moved my family to 
Cleveland. I find a hockey team for my sons, get everything organized. So the first week I call in for my check, they give me the runaround. So I'm thinking, okay, first week jitters. Second week, same thing. Seven weeks I sat in Cleveland doing nothing. But I was playing uh, Firestone a lot, which is fun. Uh, working at a local Gold's gym, you know. But yeah, I, I don't have any respect for that man. Anybody can look me in the eye and lie to me, I'm not going to trust him. No, I, I totally get you. I, I totally understand that. I would feel the same way. Well, we're going to kind of wrap it up. And I want to say, just ask, what is Jim McMahon doing now? What are you doing today? Oh, I'm actually in the cannabis business. Uh, with a couple of ex-ball players, Kyle Turley. I'm sure you know that name. Yeah. Big offensive yeah. lineman. Played for uh, St. Louis in New Orleans. Uh, and also Evan Britton is our partner. And uh, we've been uh, we we started three years ago in California, in Ramona, California. Our company's called Revenant. It's after the movie, actually. That's why Kyle named it Revenant, because he watched the movie and he, he saw that scene after DiCaprio got beat up by the bear and he was going to die. And, and uh, this Indian kind of was feeding him something. We believe that was cannabis. That was that, that got him back to life. And that's what cannabis has done for us. It got us off the opioids. We haven't had opioids in years. And it's, it's something that we all should be using because we have a cannabinoid system in our bodies. Why is that there? It's for this plant. We're supposed to be using this plant. We don't have a Vicodin system in our body, Percocet system, or an Oxycontin, but we do have a cannabinoid system. And that's why people need to be using this plant rather than those other pharmaceuticals. I totally get you. I, I have a nephew that that is a wholehearted believer of uh, cannabis. Works for a company that does it too. So uh, he's a he, he's a true advocate. That's for sure. But I listen. I know. I know this was tough. I know you're in Cabo. I know you got a lot of stuff going on there. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show tonight. So, hey, my, really guys, my pleasure, guys. Thank you for having me. Thank you for Vince Coleman to set this thing up. Absolutely. Good VC, man. Big shout out to VC. And I know he's going to be out at your golf tournament in Las Vegas. So, yes, sir. We're doing we're doing a lot, another Super Bowl golf event this year in Las Vegas. It bears best. So anybody wants to come play. Uh, <laughs> I should know the damn what is it? The email or whatever that thing is. I'm going to text you. You tell me. I'll put it up on the screen when we have a chance to do it. Awesome. We'll do that. All right. But listen, Jim, enjoy Cabo. Safe travels back to Arizona. And we'll catch up one of these days. Okay? All right, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Welcome back to Swartz Talking Sports. I'm your host, Les Swartz. Uh, thanks, everybody, for hanging in there with us today. Um, Normally, I do the show from uh, the studio. I actually really preferred from the studio now after doing it this way. But because of uh, me having the flu, I didn't want to get everyone sick. So, uh, again, uh, special thanks to Jim McMahon. He was outstanding. Uh, what a great, what a cool guy, to be honest with you. Really poignant and really honest. I really, really enjoyed him as a player and uh, hope to meet him one day. And uh, I know Benny uh, for coming on at the short notice. I know uh you know, Benny with his picks, he's the best. And uh, hopefully he's, uh, we'll get out of this COVID thing in a couple of days. He'll start feeling a lot better as with Joni too. So we actually have a winner in best sports movie for sports talking sports viewers. And should we do a drum roll, Tony, my producer? Well, I can't see it all right now, <laughs> but it came down to four movies. It was Brian's song, 
Hoosiers, Field of Dreams, and Rocky. And the winner of Best Sports Movie is Rocky. Now, this is the original Rocky, not Rocky 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. This is the original. So uh, Sylvester Stallone, iconic role, is Rocky Balboa. Loses the fight to Apollo Creed, but, you know, yo, Adrian, and the whole thing. I would have taken Brian Song. I would have done Brian Song. I agree with Byron Scott last week. Brian Song is, is the one. But the viewers have spoken. Rocky, best sports movie of all time. So, again, my special thanks to... Uh, Jim McMahon, I, I know uh, Jim's out in Cabo, really uh, having a great time out there. So I really appreciate that. And hopefully he'll get me some info on his golf tournament. We'll uh, certainly pub that. Uh, as always, please hit that subscribe button. If you like what we're doing, please let us know. Comment. Don't text me. Hit that comment button and comment on how the show's going. Ask questions. We answer them right away. You can also find us on Google Podcasts and Spotify. If you don't have a chance to actually watch the show, you can check it out that way. So, uh, Again, special thanks to Tony the Tiger, my producer, Smeraldi. Thank you so much, Tony. And a uh, shout-out to everyone out there for bearing with us today. We started a little bit late, had a little bit of technical difficulty, so we apologize for that. But we'll be back next Wednesday, 7 p.m., and we're going to do a show on the CFP. It's all college football playoff show. We're bringing back Bob Harris, former Auburn Tiger and St. Louis Cardinal football player, and Todd Trigger our Mr. Big Ten. So we're going to be talking CFP, Transport Portal, all things college football. So for Tony, for Benny the Book, and for our guest Jim McMahon, this is Les Swartz saying so long. See you next week on Swartz Talking Sports.